Uh, this book that you've put together, um, Breaking Through, helping us helping us to kind of get out of what might become mundane or a, a rut in our spiritual life. Is that what this is about? And what, what uh, inspired you to write? Yeah, absolutely. It's a primarily focused on folks who uh, at one level are dealing with addiction at another level are just dealing with some battle that they can't seem to get on the other side of. Like mm-hmm. they've been struggling with the same problem over and over again and right. are, are just stuck. Right. And so the idea here is that there are actually five engines that drive our emotions. And a lot of the things that we try aren't dealing with all five engines. And so the reason we're stuck is that there are holes in the, uh, in the model that we're using. So the book has been written to try to help people see the big picture, see where the holes might be, and give them some tools to get started. In fact, you have five strategies that help us break through whatever we're facing that's keeping us from moving forward. What's the acronym for that? It's build, right? And that is, I want to build maturity. And the key idea here is uh, uh, we're not just looking for pain relief and we're not just looking for a behavior change. We actually want to increase our maturity level so that we have a, a whole new um, amount of capacity to deal with the stuff that is overwhelming us. And so we call the model build maturity and build is the acrostic. So explain uh, so I can walk you through more. it. If yeah. You want. Yeah. So, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> sure. Uh, so be, be, is, uh, be aware of your body and the idea that sometimes what's wrong is, uh, is there's something physical wrong that needs attention. And uh, especially in the evangelical world, we sometimes ignore that or uh, I'm not saying medication is the answer to everything, but there are times when we need to do something about the body and that's what's driving our emotions. The U is unleashing our beliefs. And that is that there's a battle for the mind. And sometimes until we figure out how to win that battle for our mind, we're going to be stuck. The I is increasing joy and the idea of increasing joy in our bonds with other people and our attachments so that uh, a lot of us default to fear bonding to other people. And so there's a lot of underlying anxiety in our lives. And so we have some strategies that we use to help people learn how do I grow more joy and live with uh, less fear. And then there's listening to the spirit, you know, so how do I have conversational prayer with God about the stuff I'm going through? And then there's the spiritual warfare part of dealing with demons. What do I need to know about spiritual warfare? What role could that be playing? And so this is holistic. It gives, uh, there's physical engines and there's spiritual engines and they all need to uh, need some attention. So how do you be proactive in this? I mean, you know, we hear this acronym and we, we go through this series of strategies but what are some steps to be proactive? Should we go see a counselor to determine some of these things? Or is this something we can walk through on our own? How do we, how do we strategize to move forward and right. actually practically live this out? Well, there's always three things I think that people, people need. One is, there, <clears throat> excuse me, there's some things that we do on our own uh, that uh, are just personal that we don't need anybody else to help us with. And uh, things like, you know, Bible study and prayer and, and journaling and things that we can do on our own. Second, it can be very helpful to go to a counselor. But I'd also point out not all counselors are created equal. So you want to mm-hmm. make sure that you find a, a counselor who's really uh, uh, kind of tuned into um, the biblical worldview that goes underneath this. And then uh, thirdly is groups. And that is being in a group with people who are also on a journey so that you realize that you're not alone in this and you've got people you can talk to about what you're going through. So um, a proactive strategy is, is often, it can be any one of those three can be a starting point depending on the situation and, and where the person's at. So you know, counseling is definitely something that people should consider though. 
Opposite account, you know, I I need a counselor the way like a, a business leader needs a coach. Mm. That is, if I want a successful business, I'm going to get coaching. If I want a successful relationship, successfully deal with my emotion, I want to get some help. I want to get some coaching and advice. It's an excellent point. I want to back up to something that you mentioned a, a moment ago as you were going through the acronym for BUILD. You said that there are those of us who fear bond to other people. What does that mean? What does that look like? So I'll give you a classic example. Let's just say you get to the end of the workday, you're a man, you get to the end of the workday, and you say to your coworker, well, I better get home before my wife kills me. Okay, mm-hmm. that, that, that's, that's a fear bond. It's like saying the only reason I have to go see my wife is the fear of what will happen if I don't. Mm-hmm. Or there's people like, oh, I better go to church on Sunday because this person will be upset if I don't show up. In other words, a lot of us don't realize that we are constantly motivating ourselves with fear. So that fear is the only reason that we're attaching to people and connecting to people. And so part of what we do there is we recognize it and we stop and go, wait a second, is there some joyful, positive reason to want to connect to this person? Like, is there a positive reason to want to go see my wife tonight? Or is it just fear of how angry she'll be if I don't do what she wants me to do? And so... um, what happens is the more of a habit it becomes to fear bond, mm-hmm. the more I just start fear mapping everything in my life and fear becomes the default setting of my brain. And so the more that I can do to change that and learn how to find joy motivations for the things that I do, the more my brain figures out, oh, we're supposed to look for joy. I can do that. <laughs> and my brain can get rewired to start looking for what there is to enjoy in life instead of just what there is to fear. I really like yeah. that. So how do you deconstruct if you have been approaching life from a fear bond strategy? Well, that's a good question. So the first thing you do is you actually have to go to the problem-solving part of your brain. Um, but the problem you're trying to solve is not how do I get this person to treat me better or how do I get you know out of my pain. The problem I'm trying to solve is how do I find some joy here? How do I find a joyful motivation? So that doesn't mean I have to live in denial and say that there's nothing scary about the situation. It's that I don't want to stop there and say, I'm only going to do this because of what's scary. I need to push past that. I may acknowledge that it's true. Yeah, my wife can be angry (laughs) and that can be scary, but there's also good reasons to be with her. So I need to push in, find what those good reasons are and begin collecting them and, and focusing on those. And so uh, this is true in business, honestly. It's true in marriage. It's true in ministry. It's true in um, our family dynamics. Uh, and that is a lot of times we only do things out of fear of what will happen if we don't. And that fear um, really takes over and it becomes this baseline to our lives. So there's, this, there's always this low-lying anxiety in our lives and we don't know why. So taking a pause, taking a break, you know, giving ourselves five-minute break and uh, looking for the things there are to enjoy and for the positive reasons to do things can really help. You know, it seems like there's a there's a a real habit of just going into I, I, uh, automatic pilot in in your thinking that you start thinking about things like you said, fear bonding. You start in one way, and the next thing you know, it's kind of infected the entire way that you think. Are there other th- things or processes or thinking that we are doing that we may not even be aware of that we're just on automatic pilot that are detrimental that this book addresses? Absolutely. One of the purposes of the book is actually to give us a checklist 
to open our eyes to blind spots in our journey. Mm. In other words, by giving the five engines, by having all five of these strategies, what happens is you begin, it's meant to make us look at it and go, oh, you know what? I guess I'm not really dealing with that one. Oh, maybe I'm not dealing with two of them. Maybe I'm not dealing with three of them. Oh, maybe this is why I'm stuck. So the idea is now that I've identified it, the book also gives you some helpful tools, kind of like the one I just mentioned about how do we change our motivations? How do I get started with this process? So, for example, if uh, if I deal with shame a lot and I just find that I'm constantly struggling with shame, like I'm worthless, like I'm not worth loving, one of the things you do is you identify when I feel shame, what are the thoughts that routinely come to my mind that reinforce that feeling mm. and write those down and uh, make a list. Maybe there's three, five, six of them. I don't know. But make a list of the things that, that always seem to come up whenever I'm feeling shame. And then you take those to God in listening prayer. You say, God, is that true? Is that really what you want me to think? You know, and he's, he's going to let you know in your heart, no, I, I'm, I shouldn't be thinking that. And so you say, what should I be thinking instead? And you preemptively come up with like a, a hit list. <laughs> you know, I, mm-hmm. okay, next time I feel shame and I recognize, and this thought comes up, I, I recognize it. I go, oh, yeah, that's that common thought that always comes up. What was I going to replace that with? Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. I'm going to replace it with this verse over here that says, you know, that nothing can separate me from the love of, of God or something yeah. like that. That I have a, a game plan in place to re- take that thought captive and replace it with something that is uh, more uh, biblical. I like that. So, Marcus, today is Unplug Day. So as we think about unplugging and filling our hearts and minds with other things, um, one of your build acronym strategies is to listen to the Spirit. So how do we do that? What does it look like to listen to the Spirit? And do you think a lot of times we don't hear Him because we have so much stuff going on in our, mm. in our you know, listening habits? Yeah, no, it's very true. Um, one of my favorite quotes is from A.W. Tozer, talking about how hard it is to hear the voice of God because life is just so busy. And he wrote that in the 1930s. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm, <laughs> and I'm th- thinking to myself, well, you know, <laughs> uh, you know, we think it was a piece of cake in the 1930s, but it's, uh, I think that uh, for a lot of us, yeah, we're, we're not taking time and we also don't have the expectation and we don't know what it looks like. And we're, we're waiting for something to zap us from the outside and something to, you know, grab our attention and make it unmistakable. You know, this is God speaking to you. Listen. And that's not usually how it works. What we're really talking about is paying attention to those thoughts that we have that are in sync with God's thoughts versus those thoughts that we have that are in sync with what the devil wants us to be thinking. Mm-hmm. So it's not that the devil is speaking to me, and it's not necessarily even that God is directly speaking to me like I'm getting new divine revelations that no one else has received. <laughs> it's more like uh, I recognize that I have thoughts from time to time, like this is coming from God, and I should pay attention mm-hmm. to it. And, or, or this is a thought that's not coming from God, and I need to get rid of that. And so it's realizing that not every thought that I have is mine. Like some thoughts come from the devil, some thoughts come from God, or they're at least in sync with what the devil wants me thinking, or they're in sync with what God wants me thinking. And so as I listen to God, sometimes it's, you know, you ask God questions and then you pay attention to the thoughts that come in your head. And so if you ask God a question like, you know, is there some wound in my past that is unresolved that is still sabotaging the way I live today? Right. Now, that seems like a question God would want to answer. You know, right. it's like, yeah, right. yeah, there's still a, there's still something 
unresolved from your past that is eating your lunch today. You know, this is still affecting every relationship that you're in. You say, would you bring it to my mind? What is it? And then you just pay attention. What is the first memory that comes to your mind? What's that first thought? Write that down and then uh, don't filter it. You know, just write it down. See which, um, and then you ask him a question. So, so what do you want me to know about that memory? What is it about that that uh, is really important that I remember? And you start writing that down. Just write down the thoughts that come into your head. And then you say, well, I invite you, Jesus, to do, you know, show me something that's going to help me with this. Is there anything you want me to know about this that maybe I haven't thought about before? And then you listen or you write down those thoughts. And sometimes I've had people get things as simple as, you're going to be okay. Mm. And that was all they needed to hear. They just needed to hear it from God. Mm. Uh, All the way to uh, people forgiving, you know, a mother who was Mm. abusive or a father who was absent or a, uh, something like that, or seeing that person in a different light, suddenly they, they start thinking about them. You know what? They were a really damaged, wounded person. And I, all of a sudden, I'm feeling compassion for them I didn't feel mm-hmm. before. Yes. Yeah. So that's, that's me getting my thoughts in sync with God because I took it to him. I listened to the spirit. And it's not so much that I had this out-of-body experience. It's that I, uh, I got my thoughts kind of in sync with God's thoughts. When I was done, I was like, there's a sense of peace that no, I think I'm looking at this the way God wants me to be looking at it now. And that gives me a greater sense of peace than I had before. An awful lot to unpack mm-hmm. and, and a lot of really good sound advice uh, in this. We're talking with Marcus Warner, who's put together Breakthrough, uh, Five Essential Strategies for Freedom, Healing, and Wholeness. Uh, Marcus, how do we get uh, a hold of the book? How do we get uh, more information from you and, and get more resources? Absolutely. Um, so I'm the president of Deeper Walk International. So you can go to deeperwalkinternational.org. And uh, we got a lot of resources there about this book. Um, but you can buy the book anywhere. You can get it at Moody Publishers. You can go straight to their site. You can go to Amazon. Um, I actually think it officially comes out Tuesday. So okay. there's a few places that okay. uh, you may not be able to get it yet. Uh, uh, but I would start at uh, deeperwalkinternational.org and uh, go from there. Uh, thank you for the work that you've put in to research this and develop this and, and your uh, experiences to put this together. And thanks for spending some time with us this morning. It's been, it's been wonderful. Well, it's been a pleasure. I appreciate the invitation and I uh, hope to talk to you again.